So, um, I was thinking a bit about screen time after the last episode. So I do have a bit of follow-up. Uh, so basically, I remember us talking about... We were talking about screen time and we were talking about rather it's something that would make sense on the Mac. And I think I was sort of said that it's nothing you really need just because people usually people are usually not addicted for off their, from their Mac and people don't really need to limit the amount of time they spend on certain things on Macs. But then I listened to another podcast, um, Cortex, episode 71. Both Gray and Mike, they've been doing a lot of time tracking and they were sort of talking about how something like screen time is really beneficial for them to see how much time they spend on work activities compared to um, like free time things. So Mike is using iOS devices a lot for his work, as I understand it. And I think because of that, he gets a huge insight to how much time he spends in emails and how much time he spends on things like researching things for podcasts and um, yeah, watching videos that he that he want to watch and watching videos that he needs to watch. So um, I realized that I think I, I think I really want something like screen time for Mac now. Yeah, I agree. I just feel like it would be because at the moment doing time tracking is something that's requiring a lot of effort but i think if you're actually able to get that insight into what you're doing on a daily basis on your computers i think that would be really cool it's like getting the, all the time tracking without really having to put time towards time tracking yeah and the mac is at the moment is more of a, a dark spot where where you have all this you, you kind of have an insight into all the time you spend on all your devices Except for your Mac, whatever happens there is kind of just between you and your Mac. Yeah, yeah, and I do feel like, sure, you know that you, if you're on your Mac, I sort of always feel like I'm probably doing something productive, but I would just like to know what exactly, even if it is something that I found to be really productive, I would like to know what exactly I'm doing, which apps I'm using, and just sort of see what my what my split is, and what what I do spend my time on. Yeah, I think I mentioned last week that I use rescue time on the Mac, which is essentially screen time, but for the Mac. And it would be nice to have all that data in one place. At the moment, it's sort of got the Mac time in rescue time and the iOS time in screen time. Uh, but just to have that data come together and, and be able to view it in one place would be quite nice. Um, and to be able to filter out the Mac if I did want to get a glance at you know just how I use my phone or just how I use the iPad. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, but yeah, so basically, I would like to get something like that for Mac. So let's see. Hopefully, maybe it's something that Apple will do. So, home automation. Zach, you bought some HomeKit devices, right? That's right, yeah. Got some Philips Hue lights delivered earlier this week. How's it going? It's different. It's kind of interesting. It's my first sort of step into HomeKit or having a HomeKit-enabled device. And it is definitely pretty cool. Uh, where where are you using them at the moment? Uh, so I've just got a couple of lights in my bedroom, like in the ceiling light. Um, sorry, a couple of bulbs that are in the ceiling light in my bedroom. Um, it has made me want more. That's sort of the first thing. Installed them that first night and it's like, these are pretty neat. Wouldn't it be nice to have the light next to my bed as a Philips Hue? And wouldn't it be nice to have the downstairs light connected to HomeKit and things like that? So uh, yeah, I think it's sort of a, a bit of a spiral there. 
Yeah, so at the moment you only have them in, in one room. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we started, I think, um, what was it, two years ago or so? Oh, no, You're, you'd be very deep into it all then. We were, and then we moved, and <laughs> we didn't really feel like it made sense to ship light bulbs. <laughs> we felt like we should probably start that again. So at the moment, we do have some sort of home kit devices and home automation, but at the moment, we're just really struggling because we want to have Philips Hue bulbs, and we're really tr- trying to find a like a floor lamp for it. But it's really difficult to find a good floor lamp that's good for a Philips Hue, just because the Philips Hue is only pointing down. It's not It's not like a regular bulb. It's not, oh, Sorry, it's only pointing upwards. It's not like a regular bulb that would fill the whole... Like, it's not a 360 light. Mm, yep. So now we're really trying to find a good lamp to actually put it in. So and it seemed to be a bit more difficult than we first expected. So at the moment, we don't have the bulbs. Um, but we do have... I mean, we do have smart speakers, or we do have um, the HomePod, which is currently, I think, somewhere we're still shipping it um, from our old place, so it's currently on the way here. Oh, so you did keep the HomePod? Yeah, we decided to keep the HomePod. Nice. Um, because we were, by the time we moved to Canada, the HomePod wasn't actually available to purchase in Canada uh, because it wasn't bilingual. So we figured it's probably good to bring our HomePod with us from Australia. Yeah, so it's at the moment somewhere halfway between Hong Kong and and uh, Vancouver. Um, otherwise, we also the the Philips here are, are decent, but they're pretty pretty pricey. Um, so when we decided to to kind of put smart lights almost everywhere in our old apartment, um, we tried to be a bit more creative to to save some money. So what we used is a a lot of uh, Xiaomi Yi lights. So that's a um, Chinese company, and they're making a lot of, a lot of, in general, a lot of uh, pretty decent tech products. Um, and their uh, LED light ra- uh, um, product is is called Yi Light. So um, we we bought their um, ceiling light. We bought a whole bunch of their um, smart light bulbs. Uh, we bought some of their um, uh, light. Uh, power power switches plugs um but they don't have uh direct home kit support so um t- in order to still hook it into the rest of the um home kit portfolio that we had uh we used um homebridge have you heard of homebridge i haven't no what is it all right so it's basically uh, a node.js uh application that you can install on any any machine on your uh, network um which then speaks to HomeKit protocol. So uh, you can either write your own plugins for that to connect any of the home devices that have some sort of API um, and then um, use HomeKit to, to uh, trigger those. So you can say, hey, I have um, something that behaves like a light switch and uh, it has some, some APIs, so you can uh, hook into that. And then if you tell HomeKit, hey, my light should be on, it kind of goes to HomeBridge. HomeBridge then talks to the API of, of whatever uh, smart device you have. So uh, Xiaomi actually has a first-party um, HomeBridge plugin that you can use to then um, uh, connect that with HomeBridge and HomeKit that way. Oh, very nice. So it's essentially like the Philips HueBridge, or the, yeah, the Philips HueBridge, but you have to roll your own. Is that... Kind of right. That's that's right, but it it is it doesn't 
need a lot of uh, uh, processing power. So you can theoretically run it on a Raspberry Pi. We have a Mac Mini that kind of serves as our home server. So we are, we are just having Homebridge running on, on that one. And that that is a lot more more uh, feasible to to pay for those because I think they start somewhere. Uh, you you sometimes can get them for just under twenty dollars a bulb, which is pretty decent. Are they the colored bulbs? They yeah they have both colored and and white ones. Okay. The white ones you can kind of change the color temperature, mm-hmm. and uh, the other ones the the colored ones are RGB. Nice. And I'd say the the second generation of those is probably higher quality than than the the philip hue bulbs they're they're brighter i think the um colors are a bit more um intense for lack of a better word um the bulbs feel super high quality they work in both 110 volt and 220 230 240 volt um and they're just way way cheaper so if you if you want to uh add more into your um, into your home, and you have a way of, of having some type of server running in your house. I would definitely recommend uh, going with that. And they also they have their own app too, and they do a lot of automation stuff. Um, so even even their the Yeelight app is is pretty decent. Okay. Um, and if you have like an entire portfolio of uh, Xiaomi devices, we have we have their light switches, uh, we have their their bulbs, we have the vacuum cleaner. You can even do a whole bunch of things with their automation platform so you can kind of say hey when i'm leaving the house uh turn off all the lights uh turn on the vacuum cleaner and uh send me a notification when the vacuum cleaner is done those kind of things which is which is pretty good yeah that's that's quite interesting i mean one of the things you said there was that the bulbs uh, sorry the colored bulbs are more intense than the philips hue colors and that's one thing i found because i got the the colored bulbs um, for the philips hue lights is that when when the lights aren't say either like a, a bright white or blue light um, or on one of the like warmer ends of the spectrum, if it's like pink or green or purple, that even on 100% brightness, it isn't very bright and the colors sometimes feel a little bit off. Um, it, it is quite cool, but it can be, yeah, it can be a little bit too dim at times uh, if you're just using a color light. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> we had the same problem with our Philips Hue. Um, they have multiple generations. I don't know which generation uh, Philips Hue lights you have. The the newest generations is a bit brighter, um, but still uh, quite a bit behind the the, the uh, second gen Hue light. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So, what other HomeKit devices do you have? So, uh, as Marlon mentioned earlier, at the moment it's quite limited. So we mostly have the um, so we have the Hue lights bulbs ordered. So we'll we'll use them here again um and then we have a uh home kit uh plug just for the floor lamp so we can just plug in any any bulb into the uh into the floor lamp and then just turn it on and off so no color changing this is purely for for having light when you're when you're coming into the door it automatically turns on that kind of thing nice yeah are you using any of the automatic on off uh features that you can do with HomeKit? Yeah, so what we what we used to have set up is um, basically using just a in the home app the in the automation tab. Um, when you come home after sunset, to automatically turn on the lights, and if you leave the house, turn off all the lights. Yeah, I think that was really cool, and um, it was also we got really lazy after a while because we had basically all of our lights in all different homes um, hooked up to HomeKit, so we could just when we went to bed, we just told 
whatever smart device we were using to turn off the lights. And I think it was really good. And we did realize after a while it was quite strange because we were setting up all those like short versions of the name. So we had like a ceiling light and then we started calling it ceiling. And sometimes we had um, basically what we could say was to just say, hey, dingus, turn off the ceiling. And it's we just realized when we had a friend over, the friend was like, what's going to happen now? <laughs> um, so we did sort of, <laughs> we became very lazy about our naming of things. Um, but it is quite good if you just set up like like a quick name because yeah, it, it makes it it makes it a lot easier. But you really have to know your own commands. I don't think anyone else would be able to really. We had some guests staying over for a few weeks and they did struggle sort of just turning everything on and off. Yeah, because some of the stuff we, uh, I mean, we obviously went full in. So some of them didn't even have light switches. So you, the only way of controlling them is either going to the fuse box to turn off the, the power or use uh, one of the smart home assistant or apps. Um, and we also had that. We had we had both, or we had an uh, Amazon assistant, the Google assistant and the Apple assistant. Um, Very smooth way of getting around, not triggering a device. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was looking at it as I as I tried to formulate that sentence. Um, so it it was sometimes getting confusing for us which which device to trigger how. So it was constantly that that one of us came home and said, um, "Hey Google, wait, you can do that, right?" I think you're I think you're safe with that one. <laughs> Or okay, Siri. It was like <laughs> it is quite confusing if if all of them have slightly different trigger words um, to to kind of do the things we want to do. So, what one were you using most? I think for the most part, we were we started off using the um, the Amazon assistant, um, and I think when we lived in Australia, that was quite limited because there were a few things that you just couldn't get. So we. Like Australia doesn't really have Amazon. We do now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's there now, but it doesn't really have the same products. It doesn't really have the same products. It's getting uh, better. Like so every day, it's getting better. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you don't. It's a low bar. <laughs> you would hope to get better. It's just adding a single new product makes a significant difference if your product catalog is ten items. Yeah, I think there is the, quite a difference from between when it launched last year and and now though. It's um, Amazon.com.au is a lot better. Are you actually using it now? I ordered the Philips Hue from Amazon. Oh, not bad. Yeah, not so bad. So you're Amazon Prime customer? No. I I mean, I had the option to check the little free trial thing, but I don't order enough really to justify it. Not yet. Like, even if I'm paying for shipping something once a month, it's probably cheaper than paying for Prime. I actually, I actually think it's quite interesting how Amazon.com.au, ha- as part of their Prime subscription, is free orders from the US. <laughs> yeah. It it is quite an interesting um uh prime benefit that I've not seen in any other countries. But I feel like that's also sort of admitting your own flaws. <laughs> it's like yeah. we know that we don't have that many products in in this country. So you, we can deliver them for free from this other country where we have all of our products. Yeah, but it's it I think it's a a pretty clever way of making up for the limited. I mean, Australia is a difficult difficult country to serve it's it's a huge country sparsely populated it's it's hard to to build a lot of infrastructure in a country like that so i think it's actually quite a um, smart way of approaching that to just offer free deliveries from a country where you already have like a lot of infrastructure people wouldn't expect the same type of quick delivery 
but at least you kind of get into this habit of people starting to order from your website, even though they it still takes a week or two for things to arrive. But most people are expecting that in Australia anyway. Yeah, I mean, nothing's really changed here because you've sort of always been able to order from the US Amazon site. Um, but I do, I do know now they are going to start geo-blocking uh, Australians from ordering from the US Amazon site and um, only allow you to order from amazon.com.au. Uh, and I guess that helps with sort of still keeping those customers around, um, but making them use the Australian version of the site. Yeah, but especially with Prime, then it doesn't really matter, right? You you just order your things. Some of them come from the US, some of them come from, Can- uh, from Australia, yeah. but you don't really have to worry about it. You still... If you do online shopping, you go to Amazon. And I mean, that's that's what Amazon is after, making it convenient and wanting you to, if you think about buying something, you think Amazon first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so now when we are in um, in Canada, we're actually using the Amazon Home Assistant a lot more. So as Kai mentioned, we did used to have a lot of different assistants. So we had Google Home, we had... Um, <laughs> it's so difficult not to say things. Um, it's very difficult not to trigger the HomePod. words. Um, yeah, we had a HomePod. We had um, the Google Home, and we also had um, the uh, what do you say? Echo? Would that trigger it? Mm-hmm. No, no. No. So we did have an Echo, um, but here we noticed that we were actually. I feel like we're using it more. Um, so we actually ended up buying uh, a Sonos system. We were considering to potentially buy another HomePod, and then. Um, once once we're actually able to hook them up for um, stereo um, with uh, with airplay 2 we thought it would be great if we if we had two but then we, we realized that um, Sonus is also gonna support um, support airplay 2 um, and we thought we get the benefit of having an Alex <laughs> another smart assistant um, so we've actually been using it a lot more here. And what we really like with the, with the Sonos system is that it is really hooking up into a lot of different services. Um, so we will be able to use it together with the HomePod uh, and we will also be able to use all of the Amazon features. And Yeah, so Sonos is, um, they released a new um, TV, I think it's called Beam. Yeah. a new new speaker and with that they will also finally release airplay to support so um, a whole range of their kind of more modern speakers will then get a software update to support airplay too which makes it way easier to integrate it with all the other things so if you already have a home pod you can just use the home pod together with with a sonos speaker in in a in a group and send the audio to to them so that's why we thought hey going with sonos is actually making it a relatively flexible and they're about half the price so sonos with the release of the home pod um, also had a bundle that kind of where you get two sonos one speakers for the price of uh, one home pod so we thought hey that's actually pretty pretty good deal to to start building the sonos system here yeah and i, I know that yeah we, we will have i mean sonos has like some limitations that they they do rely on other party uh, other services like say in order i did it we gotta bleep that out so yeah they do rely on amazon to get the smart smart assistant and it's always uh, some people might see it as a as a risk but in the same time we'll have the home pod so we can always control the speakers through 
um, through Apple Smart Assistant as well, through, through Siri. So I think that will be quite a nice setup once we get our HomePod shipped here. I'm just curious, do you prefer the Sonos speakers for like audio playback as well? Um, it depends. It depends. Um, so I do think a a stereo pair of Sonos One does sound better than a single HomePod. I haven't heard the the um, stereo pair of HomePods yet. Um, I will probably end up ordering another one to try that. Um, but if your option is getting two Sonos Ones or one HomePod at the moment, I would I would go for the two Sonos One speakers. Um, the apps are fine. Like if if you if you want to use um, the Mac app, it it looks like it used to two years ago. There hasn't. Yeah, I think we bought our first Sonos system in like 2012, and then we sold it in 2013, and we hadn't used it for a while. And then we bought the new one earlier this with the new Sonos system earlier this year, and we realized that when we downloaded the Mac app that it hasn't really changed since 2012. So it's not, I mean, the app functions, but it's not, uh, yeah, it's it's not that modern. It it has it has some um, limitations. So at the moment, if you you can have Apple Music as a um, source, but you can, for example, uh, like or say that you don't like a song through the Sonos um, apps. So instead, you have to. Uh, you can do it for other uh, playback sources. Like if you have, I don't know, um, YouTube P- Premium and you therefore also get uh, uh, the Google Music Services, you can give a thumbs up and a thumbs down right in the Sonos app. But for Apple Music, you can't. But as soon as um, the AirPlay 2 um, uh, update comes out, then it doesn't really matter. If you if you really want to, you can just use the um, use iTunes uh, and use the AirPlay 2 to play to the speakers, and you can use all the all the um, Apple Music controls right from there. If you prefer the Sonos app, you can keep using that one, probably with a somewhat limited feature set for for um, Apple Music. But it just that's the thing with the Sonos; it gives you a lot more flexibility. If you wanna, uh, uh, if you wanna try different smart uh, assistants, they already have the Amazon one. They do. They did announce it a long time ago uh, that they will have um, the Google Assistant at some point soon, but that's been a while now, but at some point we might get that too. Um, So I do think uh, Sonos gives you a lot more flexibility in that sense, and um, it makes it easy because it will integrate with, with the Apple ecosystem soon. What I did find funny about the Sonos system was the whole... Um, the, oh, the whole audio tuning, it's not as sophisticated as the HomePod audio tuning. I think sophistication is probably the right word for it. Because if you set up a HomePod, I think what the HomePod does is that it basically, is it sending out vibrations through the room just to, how does it, do, how does it actually sense what room it is and, and how big the room is? The HomePod? Yeah. As you play music, it will just tune itself. So it has the microphones built in. It uh, plays the music. Um, if it knows that you moved it recently because it has a gyro built in, it will uh, just listen to the audio that, that kind of is reflected back from the walls, back into the speakers, and then does the tuning kind of as you listen to the music for the first couple of minutes. 
Yeah, on the other hand, the Sonos speaker was a bit of a different uh, setup. So basically what you have to do is to go through a Sonos app and you say that you want to start setting up a new speaker and then they send out this really th- strange, like almost like a laser sound throughout the whole apartment. Um, so they're just like the whole, both of the speakers are just playing this very strange noise. Um, and then you have to basically walk through the apartment and move your phone up and down. Um, to what, what's the purpose of this? It's for for it to basically realize how, how large the room is and how it should emit the audio. So is it using the phone as a like is is the phone at all involved here? Is that picking up noise? Yeah, that that's right. So what you do is you start that kind of tuning process. Then they tell you, hey, turn your phone upside down because they don't want you to have your finger over the uh, the microphone. Uh, so then they try to show the entire user interface upside down. Uh, which is a bit tricky with the touch targets because obviously the iPhone kind of adjusts your where your finger is versus where the button actually is. Um, so now all your touch targets are, are off by uh, quite a lot. So it's really difficult to still hit the buttons on the screen. Um, and then they play those kind of weird lasers and they tell you to wave your phone um, in the room while walking around through all the places where you would listen to music from. And then they use the the whatever the mic- microphone on the iPhone picks up to then use that information to to uh, tune the, the speaker. Interesting. And then they still ask you some questions in the end. They ask, uh, did you use a case on your phone? Yes or no? Because obviously a case would potentially have an impact on how what kind of audio uh, arrives at the microphone. So it's it's definitely more of a manual... Uh, process and then uh, if you move the speakers you have to to remember yourself to go through that process again because they don't have gyros built in but I think Sonos some uh, someone from Sonos in an interview said that at some point they will have a more automated um, tuning procedure similar to what the HomePod does but at the moment we're we're waving our phone around to, to tune it also want to talk about the Mac Mini and the Mac Mini actually goes uh, into surgery right after our, our recording. Oh, no. So we bought our Mac Mini in late 2012. I think that was when we were studying in, in Sweden. Okay. Um, and we kind of had it as kind of our media TV computer type thing. Um and it's it's been serving us well when we uh, moved to australia we kind of used it more as a as a headless server so it was kind of running in 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 a in a cupboard kind of doing doing like time machine backups we did time machine backups to that kind of did uh like downloads it did uh um because in australia obviously we didn't have that fast internet initially it kind of had um, we still don't have fast internet in australia just just an update <laughs> <laughs> I heard Canada is nice. <laughs> so we kind of kind of use it as a server for that. But then after some time, we um, to keep it uh, working all right, we had to we updated the or we replaced the hard drive with a SSD. And at the time, we bought the I think it was four years, five years ago. Uh, we bought a Samsung eight forty Evo SSD, and they were kind of at the time the recommended budget SSD that was pretty decent. But they had a weird firmware bug, or I don't know if it was firmware or hardware, it's been a while, where um, 
the read and write performance would decrease like crazy after after uh, a certain amount of time because they had some uh, decay on the uh, charge decay. Um, and then they kind of released a firmware update that was supposed to fix it. Um, and it was like this ISO that you had to burn to, to uh, CD, uh, then boot from that. And then I did some uh, an update, firmware update and uh, basically rewrote every single block on the SSD uh, to restore performance. And I kind of fixed it for a little bit. And then I think a month in, it kind of went back to where uh, the write speed was somewhere around 10 to 20 megabytes a second. And the regular is somewhere around 30, uh, 300. Um, and we kind of lived with that for a while, but macOS doesn't really like that because if you run out of RAM and it writes the swap to, to, the, to the drive uh, and then only can read and write from that with like, 10 megabytes per second, uh, macOS kind of freaks out and kernel panics. Um, so now we decided to uh, uh, get it into surgery again and replace it with a new Samsung SSD, this time a 860 Evo. And that's that's our Saturday night plan to to open that up and uh, replace the SSD after after five years exciting and something i'm really excited about is that kai got a really cool um electronics cleaning brush it's really cool it's like a thing to dust off your electronics so we can clean it at the same time mm. Mm. very exciting saturday plans what i want to know is how much dust is going to fall out of this mac mini oh man i, I will take some pictures and send them your way so we'll see we'll see i hope it fixes the issue because the mac mini is uh I think it's the Mac I kept the longest, or it might even be the, the tech product I've kept the longest in my life. Interesting. Yeah, I've never sort of set up a Mac mini home server thing, but I do have a really old white unibody MacBook, like the 2010 or maybe 2009 mm -hmm. model that I've, I've just kept around in case I ever need something like that. So we'll see, could come in handy one day. Yeah, it is quite nice. I mean, the Mac Mini has been running basically 24-7 since 2012. Not bad, not bad. And it's, apart from the SSD, it's it's just fine. Just runs, does a job. And it kind of is nice because sometimes you want to have some type of machine on your network that is always running and where you can do whatever you want. Like with the Homebridge, it's just nice to have, not having to set up another Raspberry Pi and then try to maintain that we have this one machine, I do software updates and those kind of things. Um, and it now runs Homebridge. And if there's another thing that I want to try and run that we might want to access from, from outside of our home network, it can just serve that as well. Yeah, it's pretty good. And for all the HomeKit stuff that you said before, so that's good. It's pretty nice. Separate note, shortcuts. Have you been able to set up HomeKit things with shortcuts? I'm still not on iOS 12. You should fix that. Are you on iOS 12, Marla? No. Do you have the app? You no. can have the app. It needs uh, yeah, iOS need 12. To have iOS you 12. can. What? No, you don't. iOS 9 and above. Really? Yeah, definitely. Oh, um, so you should, inst I mean, like the thing is, I think you can do everything you can do on 12. The only thing is you can't add it to Siri. So you can definitely get acquainted with the app and cool. So I can I can open the app and then not know what to do with shortcuts. Oh, it's I, there is nothing good 
Like, <laughs> it is weird though. So many people are so excited about it, and I understand why that's like it is a cool thing. I just I open that thing and I'm like, I've got nothing to do here. Right. Exactly. So I think every sort of cool shortcut that I've seen on Twitter is something that someone's had to jump through hoops to achieve that they could do on a Mac in three seconds. Yeah, I can't really think of anything for PackTrack. If you had a deliver a package that was out for delivery mm-hmm. that particular day, you could just surface a shortcut that launch that's like a quick launch to that um, to that packaged detail view. Yeah, like um, show me my upcoming deliveries. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I would do that anyway. If you just say open PackTrack, I will show you the one that's that's arriving the soonest on top. It's a like you have a you have a shortcut that you can donate. So if you donated the shortcut to the system and said that it was super relevant as soon as they got the out for delivery thing, then that shortcut would surface. So this is shortcuts unrelated to the app, shortcuts unrelated to anything you can do with Siri. I'm just talking about the like the shortcut suggestion things that show up mm-hmm. in search and on the lock screen. Are you are you uh have you got it set up as a user activity? Yeah. I think there is something small you have to do for to set it up as a shortcut. Like, but yeah, it's essentially for free if you are using mm. um, the NS user activity. Mm. It's weird, and that's yeah. th- like, it's like there's that part which, I mean, it's kind of cool, but it is just essentially a deep link into the apps, and that's all that that is. I think mm. what I'm most excited about is the um, the Siri integration. Um, yeah. I have for years wanted, hey, it's the footy score, you know, hey, thingy my bob, because um, because obviously Australian sports, none of it's supported by Siri. Um, it is on Google Home, but yeah, but that's 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 a weird thing, right? That's where where I kind of see it fit too, to re- to kind of fill the gaps that are in your life for your assistant. But uh, I feel like that's kind of a, a weird approach. To, to kind of fill the gaps that the... Like, those are quite significant gaps that they don't support uh, Australian sports. I am actually all on board with that approach. Like, I think it's it's great. Um, because your Siri becomes what you want. Yeah, yeah, I, I do I do agree. But, like, Google does that already. Google supports that. Right, yeah. And now... But now you have, like, I don't know how many Australians are there a few million that want to do that so they all build it themselves and so like i don't know sure you can do that and it's nice but it would also be better if if apple would just do that themselves having to build it yourself is the part i'm a bit iffy on like it's, you can't just i don't know like hypothetically download a google assistant app and suddenly siri is as useful as google assistant which i think would be the other way to approach that mm. um but i do quite like the idea that for you um, you know, show me the footy scores can mean something entirely different for me. <laughs> that so, gets so us actually, into the discussion of uh, the uh, 11 billion meanings of footy. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I, I just think we've never had huge technological advancements by making the user put in more work. You know, Siri should just know what, what you mean by footy by you using footy apps for your footy 
and not footy apps for other footy. It just I, I see that changing. You doing custom things is more like, mm-hmm. oh, we can't really figure stuff out ourselves, so now you do it. We don't know how to do it. You do it. And that's that's the thing. It is almost an admission of we either can't or we don't want to make Siri better ourselves. Um, I think no one complains about Siri as Siri's voice passing. Like that's fine. I think it's it's pretty accurate. Um, so I think this is a good way. And also it's sort of like if Apple were to take the approach like they do now, they build a feature and they have to build it into all the languages. Whereas that's mm. not necessarily something the other voice assistants do. Like a lot of them are English only for a while. Yeah. Whereas with this, it's, hey, if the app that you use supports it, like it can be built and Apple don't have to worry about, oh, we're going to make some complex thing but then we have to localize it in you know 50 different languages and i i yeah. i don't i don't think it's a terrible approach but i think it will definitely change but it definitely feels like we know we're behind yeah oh, this yeah. is kind of like the the uh if you're really really keen to to have some some functionality that we can't do at the moment do it yourself hopefully in a year or two we actually improved our our ml side of Siri because this is not yep. has nothing to do with like oh Siri is becoming smarter no Siri now just has an interface for you to to have specific commands that you want to kind of like what what Amazon has been doing for a while which is nice yep. but it's 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 very different from what what Google is doing and what yep. Siri is doing with uh, everywhere else where it's more hey we can parse your natural language figure out what you want to do and then give you an answer and you're being surprised that it works you don't really have that it, it is literally, I know that you can do it because I told you how to do that now and now you can do it as a result of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, yeah, I, I sort of, you're, you're not, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I also don't think this is a bad first approach. Um, no, no, it is, it I is literally, hey, we're not there yet. Use this in the meanwhile. But now I want to yeah. also see the next step or I think it's still necessary to then have the next step of, all right, but now our stuff is is doing those things in a smart way, not in a way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I don't see my landlord here. I don't think he will build custom Siri uh, shortcuts. It's just not a thing that will happen for, for a huge chunk of the of the population. Some of us no, right. might do, like we're developers. We, we, we could already figure out other ways of doing a lot of those things quite automated. So for, for that type of person, it might be nice to do those things without having to open Xcode. You can just like have some JSON, put it together, and then speak it out. And it's kind of nice, but it's it's a very different mindset from, you know, the, your, your, I think the largest chunk of, of people using iPhones will probably never use that. Oh, I absolutely agree. I have some... I have some family members who don't really like I I wouldn't really expect them to even know that you can download more apps from the App Store. I think they assume that the apps that they have on their phone is sort of what they have and then they use websites for other things and they go to Safari to look for look for things that there might be apps for. And I think it's sort of a I don't know how you you need to educate the general population on how to actually use the sort shortcuts and how to set it up and also what the benefit is. I think <sighs> It just kind it's, of it's difficult to convince people to it kind of breaks the metaphor of having a smart assistant because if you would have an assistant and you would now have to tell the assistant you know what when i say footy grab this json parse it um and then find the results i'm actually interested in and then tell me 
And you have to do that for every single thing you want to do. It's not much of an assistant. You would probably find one that actually speaks your language. Yes and no. So you're like, I don't think that regular people are going to be bothered setting up these shortcuts. I mean, if you're playing around with Siri for the first time and you say, hey, what's the footy score, for example, and it doesn't tell you anything, then because it's not built in, then you're going to go, okay, it's useless. It can't do that. But I think where it will shine or where it has potential to shine is if third-party app developers are using the add to Siri button in their apps and you press it and it's like, oh, hey, Siri can tell me the score if I say this phrase to it. And I think that's a really, it's potentially really powerful, but it, it does come down to the apps that implement it, how it's implemented, how it's communicated. And I think that's the biggest problem here. Um, I mean, realistically, are Apple going to, sort of look at transport APIs for every country that they sell iPhones in and add that to Siri? Probably not. But can every, you know, third-party developer of a transport app add their stuff to Siri? Yes, they can. So, yeah, I don't know. It is, there's potential, but I think it will, it will take a while to see what's possible and see what developers come out with. But even that is limited, right? You can, you can create a, a, a kind of custom shortcut to say, hey, give me directions from to and you and it would automatically trigger your favorite transport app to figure out the, the connections and those kind of things it's very much i i often go home so now i want to have a a phrase t to trigger my trip home and it can do that but it can't do it from to you don't really have parameters which kind of breaks this idea of talking to a thing to give you give you answers at that point i feel like i might as well just use my phone to do it yeah, no, you're right. The other sort of thing that I don't agree with, I think we spoke about this at, at WWDC, is their, their stupid phrases of like, soup time means I want to order soup. <laughs> like, because I was, you know, thinking about this from a... Isn't that what you would tell your regular assistant? Hey, um, <laughs> Andrew, soup time. <laughs> so it's sort of, that does work in a human context. Like, for example, um, at work, when we used to go get coffee, there would just sort of be this thing where I would look up and it's like, it's nine o'clock coffee. Like, you know, you, you would know what that means if I said that word. But that's, that's when you want to go, but then you want to go to get coffee with that person. Yeah. You're not, you're yeah. not looking at me saying, ah, hey, Kai, coffee time. And your expectation <laughs> is I go down, buy yeah. you the coffee, come back up and give you a coffee and sit down and wait for your next command. Yeah. So that's very different. It, it does. Yeah. <laughs> If you have those kind of colloquial uh, phrases, it needs to be a thing you want to do together, not a thing that is a command for, for someone else to then serve you. At least oh, yeah, for me, that feels absolutely. weird. No, so it, no, you're right. Because it's like, it's like how, I mean, if you have coffee time, for example, set up, it's like, well, what if I feel like going to a different place today? Like, how do I communicate that? I'd much rather, and sort of from a peace of mind thing, be like, hey, order me a coffee at, place a place b like you know otherwise yeah. it's like oh which place did i set up as my coffee time place like which coffee did i set up as my coffee but it, it, it can ask for confirmation right so you you could still have that do you want to order your your uh, flat white from bonnie yeah but i think that then that ends up taking a lot longer than just picking up uh, 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 picking up the phone picking the app and then just selecting the cafe you want right. it from well, i think getting the whole confirmation and doing all of those like 
steps through it, I think that's just going to take a lot longer and be awkward. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it is nice. You can do it hands-free. You can do it from a HomePod. But I feel like, I don't know, uh, I see so much positive attitude towards this. And I can kind of see that it's cool because it's like, do whatever you want. But I also feel like it's not really the way I want this to work. I want it to do work for me. I don't want to put extra work into it. I think people are spending longer building these shortcuts than the time yeah. they'll ever save by using them. But I feel like, I don't know, I feel like such a negative person because it seems like in general it's a very positive attitude towards that. And a lot of like a lot of people already like workflow and what they could do with workflow. It just, for me, I, I, I got the workflow app, I opened it and I was like, looks like a nice app, cool how many things you can do. And then I never opened it again. All right, so that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the discussion and we'll chat to you next week. Bye. Bye.